0: Lawrence Lever, City Wire. David Hunt, P. Jim. Doug Sig Lord Abbott.
1: Yu Shen Hung, New York Life Investments.
2: George Walker, Newburger Berman.
3: Welcome, everybody. Thank you very much for coming here. Uh, I wanted to kick off with the markets at the moment. It's a very volatile times. And I was going to say that I actually remember the original Black Monday, which was in 1987, when um, I don't know whether you, oh, obviously you were much, much younger. Than me but uh, uh, the Dow fell 22% in a single day just trading and uh, uh, you know that was quite profound uh, but we have lived through quite a lot of these so I was going to ask you really if a combination of things what, what as, as leaders what do you do in times like this uh, what are you telling your clients do you see any parallels between what's going on and, uh, and, and what went on in the past um, what's doing well in this environment for you and will this cause any change, you think, in asset management, or is it, might it accelerate some existing changes? It's quite a mouthful. But, uh, uh, David, I think, as, as you were the last to arrive, you could be the first. Um, <laughs> George suggested me that, by the way.
0: So I think that uh, if you watch the news, you would be forgiven to think that uh, volatility is the same as risk. And people love to think that somehow this is a much higher risk time than others. If you're a long-term investor, actually the opposite is true. Last year was an extremely difficult time to put money to work and expect a reasonable return. We had high asset prices almost everywhere. And now, as we look out, um, actually we see some prices that you would be proud to have an entry point in. And so if you have a decade view uh, of of your investing horizon, um, these kinds of price corrections are not necessarily a bad thing at all. And they give you opportunities to get into asset classes or into uh, risk assets that maybe you'd wanted to get into for a while, but that you couldn't. So for the most part, we've been talking a lot to our clients about their rebalancing of the portfolio and how do you use the discontinuity that you now have in prices maybe to get into some of the things that they'd had a hard time getting into uh, before. But I think this this notion that somehow people confuse volatility with risk is very dangerous. I mean, our clients lose money when they sell something for less than they bought it for, or where they impair an asset. They do not lose money because the Dow went down 18%. Okay, anyone else like to chip in? Alicia, I see you're nodding.
1: <laughs> I would agree. I think this is a, just a reminder that Portfolios really should be diversified and it's an opportunity to add whether it's more hedge strategies we're seeing flows move into that category we're seeing folks moving into areas where they see relative value municipal fixed income is an area that's actually showing positive flows over this past couple of weeks and it's just a reminder to really step back Make sure you have an all-weather portfolio. And as David said, if there's an opportunity to come in at a price level that's more attractive today, it's a good time to get well-positioned. George or Doug, do you want to come in?
4: I mean, I would just say, and sort of echo the comments here, I mean, trees never grow to the sky. And we've had a pretty good run here for the last 11 to 12 years. I think the interesting thing, because people in our office are talking a lot about, and people I talk to a lot about, what's the parallel with the global financial crisis? And it's interesting because uh, you know I happen to move back here and be in Lord Abbott's offices during 9-11. And if you parallel 9-11 and today, you sort of see a very similar outcome. You've got a very volatile market, you've got people scared. And th- that's the number one thing I think as a leader, and I don't know if the others here are there, is is just the level of concern people have around their families, around the office. And that's something that your we own really people, have to your own people. In. Our own people and their their families, yeah. right? And so Uh, I think that but you also see a market going down for, you know, somewhat logical reasons, right? You've had 12 years of a bull market. You've got an oil crisis going on. You've got a presidential election that's kind of been spinning back and forth. You've got a president that's really relying a lot on the economy to be reelected. And you have the backdrop of a pandemic now. And so that does make a lot of sense that, you know, you would take some risk off the table at that point. I would agree with both other, uh, you know, my colleagues here. That this is probably a better entry point long term and this feels a little bit more like you know the sort of emotional scare of 9-11 where you know the markets were volatile but then you went a year or two out and you felt a lot stronger than you did right now i don't see this as much of a parallel as a global financial crisis where you were sort of hearing a lot of things you'd never really heard was going on in the marketplace george
2: um- I agree if folks have a, 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 a long-term point of view, for, for our clients who are uh, also focused on the short or intermediate term, uh, it, is a, it is a tricky period. Um, none of us know e- exactly how particularly the, the coronavirus is going to ripple through the economy uh, over the course of the, the, the coming three, six months. Uh, so we, we, in the earlier part of the year, had been de-risking uh, portfolios. Uh, we have just started as of Monday to start to to, to increase. Uh, what, risk, what sort of areas? R- risk again uh, broadly. Uh, so we, your overall equity allocations and the like. So for folks who who uh, enable us to run every you know a vertical slice of their entire portfolio, for, for for example, we've been underweight risk. We're now we're, we're still not at a neutral position, but we are starting to uh, to, to to increase the amount of risk assets. That having been said, you know we have a whole series of scenarios that we've developed uh, that call for for far tougher times over the the the, the near term. Uh, so I I share the points of view. If folks can take a really long point of view, in uh, in retrospect, these levels will be attractive. But it's uh, you know it's far from obvious that we're anywhere you know that we've hit bottom yet. In in fact. Uh, I think, uh, given these levels of volatility, separate from risk, uh, these levels of volatility, uh, the probability that you know we have additional legs down is, is substantial.
3: Okay, okay, and and you know you, you're, you've, we've all lived through something like this before. What what, what do you do? I mean, you're, you're all the CEOs of your business. What, what how does that change your role in times like this? What do you do in times like this?
2: Yeah, you know, I mean, these are all these are all different, uh, and, and you know the 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 whole the the infrastructure of the system is not failing the way that it, that it was uh, during the financial crisis. There are absolutely stresses. We saw it even today in the treasury market, I think for the first time, uh, but the, the, system, uh, the system is working uh, uh, far, far, far better than it, than, it was, uh, than it was during the financial crisis. In terms of how I've spent the last 24 hours, I'd say, frankly, more of it's been focused on the coronavirus. Uh, and taking care of our people, dividing the firm into A teams and B teams, uh, uh, checking contingency plans, contact, checking, you know, it, redundancies on, on contingency plans and the like. Frankly, encouraging people uh, to to think about their parents uh, is this is a this is a uh, a virus that has very different uh, mortality statistics for folks in different age groups. And I, I think. People are all too often looking at the mean and don't realize that this is very dangerous uh, for folks whose ages start with an eight, and and frankly not very dangerous for our kids. Yeah. It's our parents that we 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 need to uh, we need to be worried about. So, far, yeah, a lot of time on that. You know, in this particular twenty-four hour period, uh, uh, combined with all of the all of the insanity in markets.
3: Yeah, it's a double whammy. Uh, anyone else, would I say, what, what have you been doing?
0: I, I think, Teresh said it really, really well, I think your role as a leader at times like this is to make sure that you are as empathetic as you can be with your people and with your clients. This is, at the end of the day, a human, humanitarian crisis. I mean, uh, we have a lot of employees in China where a lot of this started, their families uh, were from Hunan. I mean, this is just absolutely awful. I spent time today on the phone with our colleagues in Italy um, yeah. absolute lockdown yeah. and so you know and their, their great fears are how do I visit my mom um, and how, how do I take care of all of my other obligations it's actually a little bit less as to whether or not you know spreads are going to blow up <laughs> and so I think as, 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 a, as a leader um, making this as human as you can um, and dealing with that emotion and, and the, the fear that is rightly kind of going around is really important it's too easy to hide behind kind of a worry about policy which is not the core i think
1: i think in addition to focusing on our people what we we've also been doing is we have a multi-boutique model and so we have investment teams in almost every segment of the market and so we gathered all of them yesterday to really talk about what they're seeing in terms of supply chain dynamics what are we seeing in demand different sectors And that's been a really interesting exercise because, you know, gathering that insights from different parts of the market, I think, helps inform us, helps us be in a position to provide some insights to clients as to what we're seeing.
3: Nishin, can you give me any specifics that came out of that discussion?
1: Well, you know, on the private equity side, for instance, you know, deal volumes are way down. We're not yet seeing, we tend to focus on the lower middle market. We're not necessarily seeing a lot of supply chain disruption. We're also not seeing a lot of companies draw down on their facilities. So it doesn't appear yet that a need for liquidity is showing itself. Of course, in the energy sector, it's been extremely difficult, Mm. right? And the view really is it's not about Saudi Arabia versus Russia. It's really about, you know, Russia wanting to be the provider of last resort Mm. and putting the U.S. fracking industry in a tougher situation. But by and large, you know, we see, of course, it's impacting high yield because energy is a bigger component of high yield. But broadly speaking, if you set aside high yield, for instance, the vast majority of the high yield index is really double Bs, and they're doing just fine. And actually, the yields are actually pretty attractive. So it's these little tidbits that I think helps inform all of our other teams in terms of what are we seeing, private public markets, and then help us to communicate. Uh, Doug, do you want to say what you're doing, how you are spending your time? Yeah, I mean,
4: I think it's a, um, to a lot of the comments people have said, if you really think about it, these are the moments where leaders are made, and these are the moments when careers are made. Like, I think back to 9-11, the global financial crisis, Hurricane Sandy in this area uh, at this point, and you really have to be attuned to the people. I mean, we started, uh, our crisis management team started meeting, you know, probably three weeks ago, and, uh, and I think it's almost been like every single day, you've heard something that you, you know, were sort of surprised that came out, right? So it's been a unique time frame as it's starting to lead forward. The interesting thing is it's also stressed you and start to think differently, I think, as, as management and leaders. Like one of the things we realize is we don't have a medical voice, right? We need, a, we need an association with a, a hospital that we can have somebody, because they're a lot calmer, I think, than the general population is. Um, when you say we, do you mean the industry or Lord Abbott? I think most companies are not thinking about that. You know, you're sitting sort of in a room thinking about what do we do if somebody's sick, you know, and what do we do with them? And then, you know, we have associated with the Jersey City Medical Center, uh, you know, we got them on the phone and started to get some backup guidance on what do we do uh, to get more credibility with the employee base. Um, you've got to think about things, and a, and a lot of this is playing out of what have we done over the last two or three years. Uh, You know, we've spent a lot of time working on the technology of people working from home, multiple locations. How do we spread the organization around? Can teams work and still function? Can they, you know, if somebody's going to work from home, they may be signing up to work from home now for the next six to eight weeks. Are they going to be able to do that uh, without feeling super lonely and still, you know? and, And I think, how do you prepare your organization that they can go through this and still feel that sense of sort of psychological safety? That they know how to perform at peak performance and they can get what they need to do it. And I think that's what's stressing the infrastructure of each asset management firm right now is to say, you know, what do the investors need? If you then think about, you know, we're in an environment now, particularly in the US, where clients really don't want to see you, right? They're sort of shutting down one by one. So you've now got salespeople out there. How do they adapt to that situation of, you know, the phone, others? How do they respect that? And then you have a population, as you mentioned, older population, but just across the board. They're just afraid and you've got to really be empathetic as a leadership team and you've got to make sure you're opting out to let people work from home, uh, bringing them in, you know, sort of coaching ideas through, you know, the Mm -hmm. scenario, how do you cross pollinate the investment teams so they can be getting the best information going forward. So it's it's look, this is. <clears throat> you know, this is in many ways what makes our business so unique and so interesting, right? And, and it's one where you have to be able to respond as a leadership team to something that, you know, probably two months ago, none of us could have thought this was coming. Yeah. And you wouldn't even have thought, this is something we have to think about. I mean, we all, everybody has a backup BCP facility. Mm-hmm. You know, who would have ever thought we'd be sitting here, looking at each other and going, what if none of us can leave our house? Can we mm-hmm. still run the firm? And by the way, we have maybe three days you and technology, to get us ready to do that. And yeah. so I think that's, it's having a lot of unique moments, uh, I think, from uh, from that standpoint.
3: I mean, I've got a team of people in Milan who can't go out. They're, they're yeah. Like exactly you know, right. Yeah. They're, they're, exactly. they're publishing and they're sending, you know, a letter from Milan and this is what we're doing. But, you know, a, a Beatrice, who's the deputy head there, she said, I think I'll sneak out. I hope I won't bump into any police. You know, I mean, it's just like. Yeah, it's exactly right.
4: Yeah. And who would have ever thought that, you know, yeah. that that would be the challenge three or four weeks ago. You know, we weren't thinking that or six
0: weeks ago. We weren't thinking that at all. But one of the parts of your question was about uh, things that are being accelerated by this. And it is really interesting to see that a number of salespeople who never would do a video conference with a client, or clients who actually weren't too keen on it themselves, all of a sudden, digital's looking pretty good. And uh, you know, our use of, of uh, video has just skyrocketed, not only from internal purposes, but also with clients. And so I do think uh, if we have a period of six or eight weeks here where the way work happens and the way interactions happen really change, that some of these longer-term trends that we've all been kind of preparing for and, 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 and moving toward happen yes. much more quickly. And that may be no bad thing. Yeah, I mean, video is a fantastic medium for communicating, no doubt about it.
4: It's incredible, too, because I think asset management in some ways, and I've always talked about, you know, because of how the business has evolved, the leadership teams hadn't had a lot of the stress. You know, there's a lot of founding, you know, people who are running an organization or, you know, not sometimes like outside the industry where management teams are a little bit stronger. And it's been interesting to watch because you're exactly right. When you know we instituted you know work from home or really flexible working hours, you had leaders who were like, mm, you know, I don't know if I want to do that, and you'd see it in engagement surveys. They weren't comfortable with the my team's got to be here. Yeah. Well, now they can't going, be here. Welcome yeah. to the new world. You can't do that anymore. Uh, you're going to have to operate that way. And the person who sat next to you for the last ten years is going to have to be at home, and you're going to have to figure out a video conference. So I do think you're going to walk out of this with, with a lot of learning mm-hmm. uh, that's happened from from management teams.
1: I think that's right. It's almost like doing scenario planning in real time, multiple scenarios. And if it's ever more important for our leaders to really communicate to their people, I think now is the time because there is so much uncertainty. And so being able to convey to the people that you work at your organization exactly what you're doing, what is the contingency plan, what are the next steps, really creates at least some sense of calm that, you know, the right things are being focused on.
3: Have you have you all changed uh, the number of people working in your offices? Is that, Has that changed? Are you doing sort of split working? Are you doing things like that? Yeah, or, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah.
1: We started that this week where we split basically every single function, had one group where we're basically working from home, the other in the office, and then in a week's time, we'll, we'll go the other way.
0: I think all, all of us probably feel that our obligation as industry leaders is to get through this without any operational problems for our clients. I mean, the investments and the markets will go up and down or whatever. But what we have an obligation to do is to make sure that we're delivering what we promised. And um, you know, I think that's why you hear such an emphasis on BCP and contingency plans. Because we all feel, after what we went through during the great uh, financial decline, that that we didn't have that. Mm. And now we really want to show that we can get through this. I guess the difference is it's it's it's
3: more of a human dimension this time than yes. the last time. I mean last mm-hmm. time was traumatic but it was traumatic financially.
2: Right. Well, far 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 more traumatic financially. Yes. Yes. And this is yes, this adds this whole yes. other this whole other yes. impact. But but you know, financially, we we have come down a lot, but it's from 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 extraordinary levels. And, yeah, we uh, didn't know
3: whether we'd still still have a business in two thousand and
2: eight. We didn't know if we'd still have an economy in two thousand eight. Yeah. I mean, it was exactly. it was it was uh, financial that was, system. That was a different time.
4: What well, was one piece of news after another that you were like, "Wait, i would never heard of that." What you know, this company was doing what? What's happening? Could you know Lehman go under? You know, Bear Stearns. You know, Merrill. I mean, yeah. you just saw so many things yeah. over the course of. Probably 18, 24-month period, which felt like yeah. 10 years. Yeah. This has been—I can't believe this has only been two weeks at this point, or three weeks, where really you've started to ramp up uh, the intensity. But nothing at all like the global
2: phase. We, we got a—we got a CLO priced on Monday evening, right? I mean, things that so the, actually the actually system, system is, yeah. is yeah. right. The yeah. system <laughs> is uh, the system is continuing to exactly uh, it, continuing Wilson. to work. Yeah.
1: But I think investors are comforted by knowing, I mean, just hearing all of our organizations, what we're doing to protect our people, because at the end of the day, we are fiduciaries, right? And it are human beings that are portfolio teams overseeing these portfolios and making sure investors understand, you know, the steps that we're taking to make sure that our people are as safe as possible and can deliver.
3: Doug did mention Lehman. And, uh, and of course, you did buy Lehman, uh, you did buy Newberger uh, from the administrators of Lehman, I think I'm right. So, um, that, that I try that, not to think about that. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I, I'd have thought that's a nice thought, George. You know, a no, pretty good thought. No, uh, no. yeah, because you bought it, I think, uh, uh, it had assets of 110 billion, and now it's 310. And that or was, something uh, like that. it
2: was with uh, with one of the private equity guys yeah, who uh, who uh, said, Oh, what you guys did was incredible. You saw opportunity and you seized it. And I said, What's the truth? that's not 99% wrong, that's 100% wrong. <laughs> right? we, uh, uh, we tried desperately to, to save the ship, and that was our first, second, and third objective. So there was, uh, we deserve zero credit for, uh, for being clever or smart, and, and if we deserve credit, it's for uh, standing at our post and, and doing everything we possibly could to protect clients, and in, in so doing, uh, we're, we're able to uh, to protect the firm. So it again, that's just the the financial comparisons between the between the two environments. I think will in retrospect, I think we'll see that this one that we're sailing through now is is material and real, but but has little little comparison with uh, yeah. with uh, with 08. I mean,
0: probably like a lot of the other folks here I mean we've gone back and looked at all of the different kind of price shocks from 9-11 to this is not our first pandemic right we had MERS and we had SARS and we had swine flu and so yes. you know this this is a uh, you know somewhat repeatable uh, event that we're going through and the thing that you look for uh, in these is whether or not uh... the shock goes through uh, to actually affect credit in the system if really what it's done is to affect price levels in the public securities markets um, actually the, the bounce back is is quite quick if you start to see that this is going through and we're starting to see companies under a lot of duress, you start to see defaults, um, and you start to see it entering into the banking system as well, th- that's actually where you realize that you have a lot broader effect on the economy. If it stays just in, in the pricing of public securities, this could be back relatively quickly. And that will be
3: something we're all going to watch very carefully. I mean, don't you think we're kind of better prepared for, because of 2008 and because of the changes that were made subsequently? Absolutely. yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. No question.